Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. This is Anthony Buzzard inviting you again to search the Scriptures with us as we continue with our investigation of Jesus' favorite topic, the Gospel about the Kingdom of God. I wonder if you've ever stopped to ask yourself the question, what in fact is the Christian Gospel? Have you assumed that the Christian Gospel consists only of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Or is there more to the Gospel than that? We've been suggesting in this series of programs that the Gospel as Jesus preached it is often omitted from contemporary presentations of the Gospel. Now, this is a serious matter. Any loss of Gospel information is a threat to the integrity of our Christian faith. It is an absolute fact that Jesus Christ preached the Gospel long before he said a word about his death and resurrection. If you follow the accounts in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, starting at the beginning of the ministry of Jesus in Mark chapter 1, for example, or in Matthew chapter 4, and the early part of Luke also, Luke 4.43 particularly, you will find that Jesus came into Galilee announcing what he called the good news or gospel about the kingdom of God. Now, I want to make it absolutely clear that at that stage, Jesus did not say a word about his death or resurrection. In fact, it was only late in the ministry of Jesus that he even spoke of his upcoming death and subsequent resurrection. The facts of our gospel records are quite simple. Jesus went about all Galilee proclaiming the good news or gospel about the kingdom of God. He then sent out the twelve disciples to do the same thing, he even commissioned 70 others to assist him in the work of proclaiming the gospel about the kingdom of God. And yet during that time, probably for two years or more, even three years, not a word was said about the death of Jesus for our sins or his resurrection. That was not part of the gospel. Now, after his death and resurrection, of course, those facts were added to the gospel message. But the kingdom of God remained the basis of the gospel message. Now, if you listen to presentations of the gospel today, you don't hear the phrase gospel about the kingdom. You may hear some vague references to the kingdom occasionally, but the term gospel of the kingdom, which is obviously Jesus' key term, his favorite topic as he preached the gospel, is very seldom heard these days. If you ask a student of the Bible, he will probably tell you that the gospel message of salvation consists of two great truths. Jesus died for our sins, Jesus rose from the dead, and ascended to the Father. It seems to us that few have stopped to ask themselves, is that really what the Bible teaches? On this most fundamental of all questions, the gospel and our very salvation through believing the gospel? Open a Bible and begin to read the accounts of Jesus' preaching of the gospel. Remember that Jesus was the commissioned agent of God to give us the gospel of salvation. So what facts did Jesus present to the public as the gospel? Did he urge people to believe in his death and resurrection? He did not. Not according to Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Jesus began in Galilee with an announcement of the gospel. He called it God's gospel about the kingdom of God. You will find that in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Now, note carefully that Jesus did not say a word about his death and resurrection at this stage. 
He simply commanded belief in the gospel concerning the kingdom of God. In Luke 4, verse 43, Jesus told us the reason for his whole ministry. He stated that he must, and I quote, proclaim the gospel about the kingdom of God to the other cities also. That's the reason why I was commissioned by God. Luke 4, verse 43. What a brilliant opening of the mind of Jesus that is for us. He tells us there the reason for his whole mission and the purpose of all his preaching. It was to proclaim the gospel about the kingdom of God to the other cities. That's the reason why God sent me. So Jesus said in Luke 4, verse 43. Now later Jesus dispatched the disciples to announce the very same gospel message. We read this in Luke chapter 9, verses 2 and 6. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God, and they departed and began going everywhere among the villages, preaching the gospel. I'm sure you noted there the parallelism between the kingdom of God and the preaching of the gospel. That's exactly what we'd expect in view of the fact that Jesus had just said that the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom was the very reason for his whole ministry. Now, what was the gospel message about? Was it about the death and resurrection of Jesus? Emphatically not. The disciples did not at this stage even believe that Jesus was going to die and be raised. Long after they'd been preaching the gospel, as we just saw in Luke 9, verse 6, they still did not accept the idea of Jesus' death and resurrection. Notice carefully Luke chapter 18, verses 31 to 33. Luke here tells us that Jesus described his coming death and resurrection, and then Luke reports, they understood none of these things. Luke 18, verse 34. Can you imagine that? The disciples did not understand at all at this stage that Jesus was going to die and be raised from death. And yet our reports in the New Testament consistently and constantly tell us that they, along with Jesus and in company with the Master Teacher, had been preaching the gospel, namely the gospel about the kingdom of God. No information about the death and resurrection of Jesus had been involved in the gospel at this stage. This must prove to any unprejudiced reader that the gospel consists of more than the death and resurrection of Jesus. Now, after the death and resurrection of Jesus, of course, those facts about his death and resurrection were added to the gospel message. But the gospel of the kingdom was still the name for the gospel. It was simply that the new facts about Jesus' death and resurrection were incorporated into the kingdom message and became part of that kingdom message. But the kingdom element, which had been there alone before the death and resurrection of Jesus, was not diminished in any way. It remained the very fabric and the foundation of the gospel. It remained the gospel of the kingdom. The good news about the kingdom was still the principal subject of the gospel, Here's an absolute proof of that fact. In Acts 8.12 we read that when they believed Philip as he was preaching the good news or gospel about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized, both men and women alike. That's a marvelously simple encapsulation of the Christian faith itself. It tells us in very plain terms what a convert 
should believe and receive as truth prior to his baptism. Acts 8 and verse 12. And then in Acts 19 verse 8 we read that Paul continued to speak out boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading them concerning the kingdom of God. Acts 19 verse 8. And as if this was not enough proof, Luke gives us final evidence that the kingdom of God was not subtracted from the gospel for one moment after the death and resurrection of Jesus. Paul solemnly testified concerning the kingdom of God and tried to persuade them concerning Jesus from morning until evening. And he was arguing, it says there, from the law of Moses and the prophets. Have you ever wondered whether today's preachers could successfully argue for the gospel basing their evidence on the law of Moses and the prophets? Doesn't that suggest that the gospel is firmly rooted in the Hebrew Scriptures, what we unfortunately call the Old Testament? So Paul then, from morning until evening, for two whole years, was preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. We find that in Acts chapter 28, verses 23 and 31. Paul described his whole mission in an earlier chapter, in Acts 20, verse 25, as the preaching of the kingdom of God. Now, that's exactly the same as Jesus described his mission in Luke 4, verse 43. And so I find here a complete and satisfying unity between the gospel preaching as Jesus did it and the very same gospel preaching as Paul did it. The kingdom of God is the basis of all of their preaching and teaching with the additional facts about the death and resurrection being added to that substratum of kingdom of God material which was not diminished or lessened in any way after Jesus finished his ministry on earth. Now, of course, the death and resurrection of Jesus are a vital part of the gospel, but they do not comprise the whole gospel Something is missing from gospel preaching as long as the facts about the kingdom of God are not plainly laid before the convert. The biblical gospel announces the coming kingdom of God, which is to be a political monarchy to be set up in Israel, with Jerusalem as its capital and its authority extending across the whole of the world. Jesus the Messiah will return to the earth to administer a new world order he will then inherit the throne of David, which of course he has never yet inherited, but which was promised to him not only throughout the entirety of the Hebrew prophecies of the Old Testament, but also at his birth, at the time of his birth, by the angel Gabriel, who announced to Mary that her son would be the one to whom the throne of David would be given, and he would rule over the house of Jacob forever. Luke 1, verses 32 and onwards. Now, this hope for the coming kingdom is the only realistic hope for the world. The gospel of the kingdom invites you to rule with Christ in that coming kingdom. If you look, for example, in Isaiah chapter 32 and verse 1, we find a prediction there of a time when a king will be ruling with justice and righteousness accompanied by princes. You find in Luke chapter 19, verses 11 and 17, that the power to administer cities will be given to the faithful as their reward. And in Revelation 2, verse 26, and 3, verse 21, Jesus there promises to the overcomers 
those who succeed in persisting with the Christian faith until death, until the end of the age, will be granted rulership over the world to administer a new world order to be established by the arrival of Jesus in power and glory. Finally, in Revelation chapter 20, there's a beautiful vision of the coming to life from death of those who have suffered for the Messiah's message and kingdom, and as a reward for their faithfulness, they are granted to reign and rule with Christ as kings for a thousand years, the famous millennium. And the premillennial position is the biblical one. It's the view of the early church fathers also, namely that Jesus comes back to inaugurate the millennial reign. It's only following the resurrection of beheaded people from death, about which we read in Revelation 20 verse 4, that the kingdom of God is established in its first stage for a thousand years. That is the ancient classical doctrine of premillennialism, about which so much dispute has raged over the years. But what could be simpler than this sublime vision given to John of a thousand-year reign of Christ and the saints to be inaugurated by the first resurrection, which is a real resurrection of beheaded people from death to immortality. I've authored a book on this whole issue of the kingdom of God and its future. I'd like to send you a copy if you will phone us at the telephone number to be given at the end of this program. Remember that Jesus was a Jew who must be understood in his own first century Palestinian context. We must be careful not to read our own ecclesiastical traditions into the New Testament. Join us again as we continue to probe Jesus' favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God.